0: Wow, happy Father's Day to all you guys out there. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Um, so I'm doing something different today. I'm not a I'm not a techie guy like some of you people are, but I've got the old notepad today. We're going to try that. My I talked to my uh oldest son um yesterday. He was also a pastor and I was we were talking about you know, me preaching today, and uh, I was telling him I was doing, he goes, wow, I cannot believe you're actually going techie, he goes, I, I'm a handwritten note type of guy, and um, sometimes, t- I, I'll tell you what, I have a, something I'm going to read to you later, and I don't have a printer that works, so I asked Megan to print it off for me, and she knows how old I am, look how big the print is, <laughs> okay, so I was very thankful for that, but, so being Father's Day, it wouldn't be Father's Day if I didn't tell a few dad jokes. Dave, you're welcome. Uh, Dave, thank y'all. All right. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah, Mike, thanks for the applause. Dave, I see you didn't applaud. I don't know why. <laughs> Dave so appreciates working at the food pantry with me. <laughs> so here we go. I just found out that I'm colorblind. The news came right out of the orange. A little late, but you got it. Okay, we're good. I used to be able to play the piano by ear, but now I use my hands. They say I have no sense of direction, so I pack my bags and write. All right, one more, one more. All right. Can anyone tell me what oblivious means? I have no idea. All right, anyway, I'm done. All right, we're quit. All right. You're just lucky you're not my children. That's all I got to say. I take my girls to school in the morning and they usually get them, you know, and they know them pretty much all by now. But um, anyway, for those of you who I, most of you are familiar with me, I just I want to give a little background to my family because um, uh, some of you don't know actually my whole family. Now, I have uh, two biological sons um, and my oldest boy has four kids, I have four grandkids. Uh, My youngest son does not have any, but they are great aunt and uncle. Um, They're Ryan and Brad are their names. And now I call them, I'm going to announce them to you as stepchildren, but they're my children. Um, I was blessed in the last, uh, let's see, I've been down here now, goodness, 11 years, uh, to meet and marry my beautiful wife, Kelly. And uh, I have uh, a son, Hunter, who is 27. (laughs) Hunter, forgive me if you're watching. (laughs) All right, 27, I think. And two beautiful daughters, Mary and Lauren, who are 17 and 16. I'm blessed. Very blessed. But if you would have talked to me 11, 12 years ago, I'm not quite sure I would tell you I'm that blessed. I went through a lot and I'm going to give, this is going to be a a stretch for you. And I'm probably going to have to grab that box of tissues over there. Not like I usually don't anyway. You people know me. But this title is, How Good Is He Really? And in in going through this, I felt the Lord telling me that he wanted me to give some of my testimony. Some of you know it. Some of you don't know. Some of you know parts of it. But honestly, I had many days, maybe weeks, maybe months when I didn't think God was that good. I mean, yeah, good, but to what extent good? right? Like there was a limitation to his goodness. So as I was preparing, I really, what I had what started preparing, what I thought I was going to preach to you, I'm a big, big fan of King, whether you want to call it Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, whatever it is in his story and how when, you know, he was going into war, you know, it said he set his heart to seek after God. And I thought, oh, that's it. That's what I want to preach on. That's what, yeah, that's what I wanted to preach on. So, and by the way, I'm still kind of beachy myself because we just got back from the beach. Uh, A couple days ago. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like preparing a sermon sitting out on the balcony between six and nine when it's really quiet and just hearing the waves crash. It was awesome. But this is what I heard Monday morning. I'm I'm just going to put it to you as I heard the Lord tell me. He goes, Brian, I want you to preach on my goodness. And as Warren told me this week, he goes, really? That could take like, that's going to take forever and then some. But this is what he, this is, I'm going to, I have it, I always type, I'm kind of like the old uh, King James Version. I always type what he tells me in red so that it stands out. And this, I'm just going to read it as he told it to me. I just want you to tell people how good I am. I know you will never be able to tell it all. No one ever can, but I need you to try. Everybody has been trying for years to bring me down to a place where they can understand me. But I am incomprehensible. People want to be able to explain every action and every move that I make, but I am unexplainable. That goes for my goodness and my love as well. You will never be able to fully explain it or comprehend it, but I need you to do your best to put it into words. I am better than anyone thinks I am. My goodness and love are without limit. And so I'm up here today kind of humble because how can you put the goodness of God into words? I mean, seriously. You can't, it's impossible to do. But I want to kind of give you a little background of what brought me to some things and, and how kind of this journey started. But um, I'm going to read uh, Psalm, the first, I think it's three or four verses, three verses, I think, in Psalm 139, now one that I have memorized and that God is and I know now why he's had me memorize over the past, past few months. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. And that first time I heard that, many you guys know Michael W. Smith, correct? Well, years ago when I was probably late teens, early 20s, I went to hear him in concert down at Hershey, then the old Hershey Arena, uh, not what it is now at the Giant Center. And he, this whole Psalm 139, he had memorized, he had put that for years, he said he'd been working on memorizing it. And he read it like, oh, this beautiful thing, because then it gets into God creating us, right? And, but these first three verses, right? I thought they just caught me, you know? Oh, you know everything about me. But it didn't catch me in the way that it catches me today. You see, back then, I was brought up to believe, I was brought up United Methodist, all right? And they've got their own issues going on now. But I was brought up, well, if you go to church every Sunday, And for me, it was, you got to dress up. I don't know if you kids ever went to church and your parents made you wear, you know, I had Sunday clothes, right? One pair of pants and a few pair of shirts that you wore to church, you took them off as soon as you got home and then you wore them again the next Sunday, right? Those were the going to church clothes, okay? So you did that, those 10 commandments, you better follow those 10 commandments, all right? If you did that, you give your life to the Lord and then you follow all the rules that the church has or that your family has, you're good to go, okay? Now, you older people can relate to this, You put, younger people won't, but back in my day, there weren't very many stores open on Sundays, okay? You didn't, you didn't shop on Sunday, all right? That was a no-no. I'll never forget the first time my mom had to stop at the grocery store. There was one grocery store open in our area. We had to stop there, and I thought, oh, We're going to hell. We went to the store on Sunday and bought something. I I, I mean, I was probably, I don't know, late grade school, junior high maybe. I thought, whoa, I couldn't believe it. And I really thought that I wasn't going to make it as one day I went roller skating on a Sunday. Because you didn't do that either. It was like you went to church, you came home. And then we, and many of you were like this, we went and visited grandparents and hung out with family in the evening. That was it. Don't you dare work. This is a funny story. I wish he was alive today because this was a big deal in our church. Then as I got older, I went to Brethren in Christ Church, right? And that was even more so like following rules and all that stuff. One Sunday afternoon, and I met with him in a men's group. Uh, Ken was his name, was our pastor. And we we would have these things called Fred's once a month, fellowship recreation, eats, and devotion, right? Somebody's house, the whole church would get together in an evening, bring a covered dish. We'd have meals, games, and a devotion, right? it was at his house on this Sunday evening? And somebody drove by his church after church on Sunday and he was mowing his yard. I thought, if that did not cause a stink in our church. But you see, that was my life growing up. If I followed the rules, if I listened, if I obeyed, if I said the right things, if I didn't lie, if I da-da-da-da-da, if I followed all these things, I was getting in. And so when I heard these verses, I thought, oh my goodness, he knows all my ways. (laughs) He understands everything. He's acquainted with all my ways. And I thought, that cannot be good. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I was not a terrible kid. I was not. One that did all the party scene growing up and I didn't even, in fact, you know, um, every time that that I would maybe do something, I don't even know what it would be if I would lie or something. I thought it was the end of the earth. And my teachers and my parents, nobody could believe it because, oh, Brian's such a good boy. But I didn't feel that way. All through my years growing up, through teenage years and all that stuff, because I thought, if I went against... The Ten Commandments. If I went against what a rule or a law was in my house, <gasps> now this has changed. We're going to read it a different way at the end, but <sighs> I thought I was doomed. So when, when I tried to memorize it, because I was a big Michael W. Smith fan, so I wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to memorize. Every time I went, got to the, even the first part of it, I can't do this. Because it reminds me how, God, how much he really knows me. It wasn't until I finally realized that it's not about following all the rules. And that's not the way this verse is meant. When you look at him in the light of how good he is, how loving he is, how compassionate he is, how merciful and gracious he is. You can read this thing in a whole brand new way. He knows me. There's nowhere I can go that he doesn't know where I'm at. And that his love does not extend. What does it say later in this verse? How, how great his love is? How, how are his thoughts towards us? Or as great as what? The sands. A grain of sand. That's, and all the sand, you can't count them. I was at the beach. I picked up a thing. I thought, wow. If his thoughts were even millions like that of love towards me. He's good. All the time. And all the time, never a time in his life, in his life, he yeah, like, he had a, has a life. <laughs> God, sorry about that. <laughs> never a time in existence has he not been good. Now, I'm going to share with you some times when I thought he wasn't. And you may be going through some times right now where you think, huh, he's good, really? I don't see it in my relationship. I don't see it in the job I just lost. I don't see it in my, I can't pay my bills every month. Really? He's good all the time? Seriously? Yeah, he is. He hasn't missed a beat. He is always there and always present and always pulling for you. Something changed for me. Somewhere in my, I want to say in my 20s, uh, in there, because I was still going through this, and then I switched from the United Methodist to the Brethren in Christ, where it wasn't about, uh, you people are wasn't going to cry just yet. People are family to me. I told this to Amber a while back. I've been here 11 years and I've been coming here pretty much since I, since I started or moved down here, but it never really felt like family to me just the last six months to a year when I really sold out. Church has always been important to me. When I really sold out for the, for being here and getting to know you and loving you. And so what I'm gonna share is, is shared in family, okay? Because family, you should be able to share anything, right? Okay. Anyway, I was in my 20s and, and so I was still like, when I was reading in the Bible about his love and his mercy and grace, when I read in the Bible about how good he was, I wasn't seen in my own life and I wasn't heard being taught at my church. And I thought, this isn't making sense. This doesn't add up for me. Until I heard, and I don't even know who it was at this point. Put it to it this way. Well, let me ask you a question. When your parents, okay, told you to do something that, okay, not to do something that you really wanted to do, were you always good little boys and girls and listened? Well, I know Steve Stansfield was, because that's the way he was. But anyway, <laughs> no. Why? Because that, that you wanting to do that thing was more luring than the punishment, at least for me, right? My mom was the master of the flyswatter. All right, that was my mom's punishment of choice. Okay, well, let me tell you, boy. I don't know if you ever did really by flyswatter in the bare legs or not, but that didn't stop me all the time from doing what I wanted to do that she didn't want me to do, because that fear of punishment wasn't going to stop me. Kind of the same way with my life and with what well, I read this in here and it says, if I do this, then there's consequences for it, but it didn't stop me from doing what I wanted to do. It didn't stop me from sinning. But then I heard a pastor put it this way. What if, and you can take this in a relationship with your parents, whatever. What if you listened to your parents and did what your parents wanted you to do just because you love them and because they love you. So what if, what if, I'm obedient to God's word. What if I I follow after him and I I develop this relationship with him, not out of a sense of I have to, but out of a sense of he's good. He loves me and I love him. I don't need a bunch of rules to follow. I don't need a bunch of extra things to, to set me in line because I'm deeply and passionately in love with him. So why would I not want to follow that kind of God? Amen? Why would you not want to serve and love and have adoration for a God who's deeply, passionately, over the top and love with you and is so, so very good? It changed my life. It changed the way I, I walked. It changed the way I acted. It changed everything. And I'm still growing and I'm still learning. I tell people, I love, <laughs> this is gonna sound strange because as a kid, I hated it but I love the correction of God. I love the teachings of God and how he corrects me, how he corrects my thinking, how he corrects an action, whatever it is, because I found out that everything that he does is good and everything that he does is in love. I used to think that the fly swatter of God was coming. <laughs> All right, right? And some would say, you know, you're looking for the lightning to strike. You're like, do something wrong, and then I'm just expecting something bad to happen, and then if something bad does happen, that was the reason why? That's what I was thinking. But, especially in the last few years, when I realized i do something, and then he says, hey, Brian, hey, we need to change that way of thinking. That's not, that's not how it is. I love you, but we need to make a correction. That's more like God. Oh, I love it. I do. I don't, I used to just be so afraid, but now I'm like, God, just, I want to be right with you. I want to be in union with you. I want to be in communion with you. But we need to, and and part of walking that out is is what I want to talk about is the goodness of God. When we see him for who he really is, that he is good all the time, that he loves us all the time, that he's gracious, merciful, it helps me walk with him. If I have a wrong view of God, it's gonna it messes everything up. But we have, we've limited him down to this little thing that I can explain. My theology has to be something, if I can't explain it, we've been pretty good at the church of going like, eh, that must, why do you think we have so many denominations? Well, I don't, I can't, uh, that doesn't make sense. Well, uh, so guess what? Hey, Steph, Warren, you guys, why don't we start a church? Because you believe like I do, you believe like I do. And boom. We get a new denomination. We get a new church. Right? Uh Genesis 5020. And this, uh what uh is she here? Is Boyd still here? There they are. What you said this morning, I'm telling you. Oh, perfect. Genesis fifty twenty is Joseph to his brothers who tried to kill him, threw him in a you know, pit, and said, you know, well, this is at the point where. Joseph, they get discovered, <laughs> all right, for what they did. Joseph says this, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And let's just move right on down then, maybe to Psalm eighty-four, eleven: For the good, yeah, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord besta- bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I want to go back. God meant it for good. Now, how many of you, if you're thrown in a pit and went through all that Joseph went to, would say, Woo-hoo! awesome. I'm not saying everything that happens to you is going to feel good. Not everything that happens to you is going to be like, Woo-hoo! that's awesome. That's wonderful. Great. I just got fired from my job. Yes. I can't pay my bills this month. All right. Not everything is good that it happened. But he says he uses everything for the good for what? For those who that are called according to his purpose. What do we do with the things when we don't man they don't make sense? Do we still believe he's good? It's pretty easy to say that now. But when you're in the middle of it? Or maybe something happened to you when you were younger and you had no, you, you couldn't, you had no decision-making in it and things happened, And you wear that for year after year after year after year after year. After year. That doesn't seem so good. Um, many of you guys know Toby Mac. I'm a big Toby Mac fan, mainly because he's my age. And you ever seen the guy move on stage and I'm like, seriously, you guys, where's my softball players? You guys saw me trip going from the pitcher's mound to third base and land flat on my face. So you understand. yeah. It's like we went to, uh, my girls are big uh, Nathan Chen fans, Hey, skating fans here. Uh, my girls love them, right? National champion. Uh, and so he was in Hershey with a group of people uh, skating a couple weeks ago. Uh, Katie was there, right, Brian? And uh, <laughs> Kurt Browning was there. You guys know the name Kurt Browning? Right? So get this. The guy is 56. 56. I'm 57. He was doing jumps, double, whatever they call them, you know, all the spinning stuff. And I was like, wow, I can't move from pitcher's mound to third base. My mind says I should. My body <laughs> says, whoa, bro, not so fast. Where was I going with that? What was that? Toby Mac. Anybody know what happened to him three years ago? His son, an accidental overdose. His oldest son. And just recently, he's been starting to talk about it. Right. He came out with a song a year ago, and it was and it was God dealing with him. It's called uh, "The Goodness." If you guys have never heard it, you gotta whew, you gotta listen to it, especially in light of what he went through. And so I just, this, let me tell you how God works. First of all, I didn't know that we were singing Good, Good Father when I, this was Monday that God gave this to me. Um, And then this is, you know how you Facebook people, how it gives you memories. All right. These were two memories. This was from 2014. God is so amazingly good. Walk in assurance that he means you good. This was 2019. This was from the song. You guys will know it. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. That was from today, all those years ago. And Toby Mac said this. He said, to be honest with you, I don't still know if I can tell you how good God was in that my son died. But I know this, that either he's good all the time or he's not good at all. I have to believe that he's good or that he's not good at all. And I choose to believe that he's good. I don't understand it now, even in three years later, but I know my God is good. So, maybe you know I have went through a divorce. I uh, um, This is where, please... Right now, just say a quick prayer for me because I told my son yesterday because I was kind of nervous about this sharing, being like, how open do I be with you? Because in my testimony, okay, it's my testimony. And God reassured me, what's that verse is, um, they will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So I noticed I'm supposed to share, but how much I didn't know. And this is not to put anybody down, I am, I have no issues with my ex, with anybody. And, and along when I was going through that, I got booted out of my church because Holy Spirit got a hold of me and I started preaching healing. And I started, they accused me of starting a religious charismatic movement at the church. And I got booted. So I got I got booted out of a church that I'd been going to for 20-some years. But my marriage was an abusive one. Jesus. We're family here, right? I was uh, hit over the head with a tube before. I had this finger bit through down to the cartilage. I had a mug thrown at my ear where that scar the whole way through my ear. Did I think God was good? Not at all. See, I was following God. I was a pastor. I was on fire for God. God was moving in my life. And, and I thought, and, and and the story was, right? Oh, Brian, someday as an associate pastor at a church of three to 400 people, someday you're going to be pastor here. I mean, I'd gone there for, for 20 some years. You're going to be pastor here, Brian, someday. I said, yeah, all right, okay. So that was in my head. All this stuff, you know, was going through. And, and I felt, the, I mean, I felt a call to minister it was in my 30s and that God was going to, he gave me dreams and visions of preaching to many people. And so whenever you bring that in line with you're going to be pastor of this church, I thought, well, right there it is, right? And then what do you do? You get booted out. Made a whole lot of sense. I also had, a, I, I, like I said, I have two, and I'm going to show you pictures at the end, just because I want you to know how good God is to me. He redeems, that song Redeemer, man, that was, he redeems all things. He's just not your redeemer when you get saved. He is your redeemer today. He can, if, 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 if um, security was stolen for you, he can give you safety back. If your peace was stolen, he can give you peace back. Whatever was stolen for you, he can give it back. He's still my redeemer in all things. He's been redeeming things. And I can't wait to tell you some of the stuff he's redeemed in my life. But I had this dream I have two wonderful boys and I had this dream of having daughters. I really wanted a daughter um, just I always saw, you know, the dad-daughter dances and the, you know, I thought, oh, that'd be so awesome, you know. Well, because of different things, never did. And I was like, oh, well, there's a dream. Right. Wanted to adopt. Um, we would go to Haiti every year and and uh uh when I was over there, I would just, I'm kinda like I am here. If you have a baby and I haven't held it, I'd be shocked. Um, Uh, And I go to the daycare, and that's where I head, right to the nursery, my wife's daycare. My wife has a daycare. I head right for the nursery to hold babies. That's just what I love to do. And so, you know, we're going to adopt from Haiti because I would go there, and I'd carry babies around all day long. In fact, I had these two twins that I carried around. In fact, when you're in the summer in Haiti, it's 100 and some degrees in the shade. So you get a shower, and then you get out of the shower, and you say, why did I get a shower? Babies get to wipe the stink off of you, right? There's my mom, sorry, there's a little digress here. (laughs) My mom used to say on Saturdays, you know, I'd be watching cartoons or whatever. Mom would always say, get out of the house and blow the stink off of you. Okay, that was mom's saying. But anyway, so I was carrying these babies around. Of course, they don't have diapers. It's just they have big shirts or they wear whatever. And if you're sweating and you're, well, the the feeling of pee going down here. (laughs) So it's a little warmer than even the sweat that's going down here. How many times that happened to me, all right? But I loved it. And this mother begged me to take her twins along home. because she knew there'd be much better chance in America than there would be in Haiti. And so we wanted to adopt, and then that didn't happen. And so we were going adopt a baby girl. I thought, oh, this is... So all these dreams were coming. I'm like, God, you're not good. Really? You're telling me? Okay, yeah, you're good in some things, okay? But you've let me down way too many times. That was my thinking to say that you're really good. We can't let circumstances define who God is. We've got to know who God is and let him work through our circumstances. You see, too many times we just go through life and bouncing around from here to there, to this, to that, whatever. And that's who we then let then that forms who God is in our mind. Whereas I need to determine that he's good, that he's loving, that he's gracious, that he's merciful right now, so that when these things happen, I still know that he's good. So I can be like Toby Mac is, I don't understand it, but I know he's good. I wish I would have had these things back then, but man, has he redeemed my life. Who would ever thought that I'd be down here in a town smaller than what I came from? Preaching here and in fellowship with you guys and have some dear brothers that I love beyond belief and have a beautiful wife and more kids than I could ever dream of and grandkids. Like, ah, you're so good. Did I dream this up? No, but he had a plan. And he can take and use for good what other people meant for evil and what Satan meant for harm. He can turn it for the good and man has he ever uh, this, just to talk about the goodness. And this is, like I said, what you shared about the good, he is so good. Psalm 103, one through five, I'm going to break this down a little bit. And then I'm, I'm going to take real long, but it says, bless the Lord. O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord. O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all, all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. I want to get to where that says all his benefits. Let me just give you a little brief. When I, I love looking stuff up in the Greek, Hebrew, all that stuff. Um, this is a little bit of the definition, a little bit of the definition of all. All for every, all his and every, all his everything, all its entire, all in the every, all and the every, all and everywhere, all your every, all these, all things, all together, always, annually, any, any or all, anywhere, continually, earnestly, everyone and everything, everything pertaining to everything, every man, every woman, everyone, everything, every way, health, Material things, just, uh, plenty, throughout and all, throughout, whoever, whoever, whomever, whole and whole, wholehearted, holy and whomever. That's not all of them. That's all. So what's it say? Forget not all his benefits. They're way beyond anything we can ever imagine. But it gets better. I, look, even if... We would just stop with who forgives all your iniquity. Really, there really don't need to be any more. He forgives your sin. We get to spend eternity with him. That should be enough. And it is enough. But the thing is he wants so much more. He wants to bless us with so much more because he's good. So get this, I love this. Who satisfies you with good. Want to hear what the word good meets. That in the uh, let's see, this would be old testament, so that would be the Hebrew. Uh, T-O-W-B, Tob, as it said, in the widest sense, used likewise as a noun, both masculine and feminine. A good man or woman, good, goods, good, good things, always beautiful, best, better, bountiful, cheerful, at ease, graciously, joyful, kindly, kindness, liketh, loving, merry, most, pleasant, pleasant. Pleasure, precious, prosperity, ready, sweet, wealth, welfare, well. That's good. I think that's pretty good. And that's what he wants to bless you with. You see, we sell God short on so many levels. He didn't come just to save you. Now, that's enough. Now, oh, sorry. I guess the definition of save. He didn't come just to forgive you of your sins. That to me, sometimes growing up, right, I got saved. I'm in. I'm good, until I did a sin, and then I might be out. So then I go back to the altar and I do it all again. Then I sin, and I go back to the altar again. I bet you I went to the altar as a teenager probably about twenty times. In fact, I one person said, "Why? What the? I'm never not quite sure. I got to make sure I'm in." (laughs) I know. You wouldn't want him to know me anyway. (laughs) But what, when I get in, that's kind of like the jumping off point. That's not the end all. When I become saved, that's like, wow. Now I really get to know Jesus. Now I get to be in relationship. Now I get to see how merciful, gracious, loving he is because I get to know him more and more because I fall deeply in love with him more and more and more. and I've told you this when I preached before I've, i had an old gentleman at church that would always say, I kind of avoided him after church after a while. How you doing Wayne? Oh, don't ever get old. Well, if that adds up then <laughs> I don't, don't get me wrong. I want to go to heaven. I want to see Jesus. I want Right. But I'm in no big rush. <laughs> All right. So part of that would be getting older. You see, I want to grow old with Jesus here on earth. I want to sit up in heaven someday and say, remember, Brian? Remember then. So we grow old and we get in more fellowship with him because guess what? I want to grow old with my wife, and my kids. Why? Because I grow more in love every single day with her and with my kids and my grandkids. He is better than we can ever imagine. Way far better. But you see, back then, I was busy blaming God for everything that went on, but he wasn't the author of that stuff. He's never the author of anything evil, anything sinful. He is a good God. Now, I just, I didn't put it down, but the scripture basically that, um, uh, basically what the Satan is, liar, thief, all those things, comes to steal, kill, steal, and destroy. That's his job. That's not my God's job. So yesterday, my grandson had a Little League All-Star game and uh, nine years old, name's Bryson. <laughs> and uh, they had the game before they lost. He, he pitches and uh, he didn't get in the game at all to pitch, he played out for a little bit. Yesterday, they're down nine to five. And fourth inning, who comes onto the mound? My grandson. Who do you think the nervous pers- most nervous person was out there? Not my grandson, not me, his mom and dad. My son, I remember this because that was the way I was when he pitched. He walked the whole way away from everybody, out to the outfield fence so he could watch him out there by himself. And a buddy of his that's also as a kid goes, how's the heart doing? They call him Diff as well. He goes, how's the heart doing, Diff? He, he goes, I don't know why it is when he pitches. It's just, it's just, and I get that. And so I started thinking, you know, because Todd was saying, you know, my job as a dad, if I, if I become more like him, I'm going to be the best dad there is. The more I become like him, the better father I am. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in blaming. So I thought, okay, did Bryson throw every strike? No. Did he walk about her? Yes. Was that his dad's fault? No. And I started thinking about that. You know, sometimes we do something and we're pretty quick. I'm I, I, sorry, hopefully you're not anymore, but I was pretty quick to blame God. And I would find myself just in the last few years when God brought me through this, all this healing, where I would say, but remember when you let me down? I remember actually saying that to him. And God would say, really? I let you down? Okay, poor choice of words. I went through these things but God says, I mean it for good if you love me and you let me redeem it. See, sometimes we go through stuff, how many of you know like people in their 50, 60, 70 years old are still blaming something for their 20s and their teenage years, on parents, on whatever. God says, if you give it to me, I'm good and I'm gonna redeem it. It Maybe a process. It may see something you have to go through and work through. Maybe it's a point you need a counselor, a Christian counselor, but God says, if you give it to me, I'm going to redeem it, and I'm going to turn it for the good because I love you. I'm so, he is so enamored with it. I watched my son and my daughter-in-law, watch him pitch. And it's like, oh, just the excitement. They're cheering for him, right? And that's God. He's cheering for you. He's got your back. He wants the best from you. We don't always succeed at the things we want to, but he's got your back and he's cheering for you from the sidelines saying, come on, get it. run not from the sidelines. He's within you. He says, come on. I got this. You got this. We're together in this. And he corrected me from this, for this morning when I was saying, God, God, I just, I want it to be your words. I, I want you to have control. He goes, yeah, i, I I want control, but we're going to do this thing together. You know, Bill Johnson says, you know, uh, when somebody comes up to you uh, and says, uh, oh, hey, that was a great Like if I went up to my grandson, I just say, hey, that was a great job. Did a great job pitching. And if he would have said, oh, it's all God, Bill Johnson said it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, right? Just getting it over here. They're a little slower on this side. They're Philadelphia Phillies fans, and I mean, 76ers fans, and all that stuff. Phillies fans are good, Sixers. Anyway. Sorry, Chandlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to d- discuss that after church, Karen said. <sighs> He's good all the time. So, what are you going through? What in your life has got you questioning uh, is he really, really good all the time? You know, we, I do that thing where God is good. And you say all the time, all the time, God is good. So if I would put before it, well, middle of a divorce right now, if I said God is good, could you say all the time? Well, oh, I just lost my job. I don't have money to pay the bills. And if I would say God is good, could you say all the time? Ah, friend just died. Child just died. God is good. You say all the time. I struggled with that a little bit when my friend committed suicide a few months back. Did his wedding in October of last year. Now the blue. I just talked to him. Just texted him. We were joking around a couple weeks before. Woke up to a phone call saying, that Stan, had told killed himself. How are you good in that, God? Even a wife and a couple of stepdaughters. And now I think about back in my hometown, Mifflintown. Town, if you heard yesterday, two cops were shot, one was killed. State cop. And then a the shootout, the, the guy that shot the cops was also killed. And I think about the cops' families, because I, when I worked at a garage, we, I dealt with them at the garage I worked at with, with a lot of the state troopers up there, great guys, a lot of them that I knew. And uh, hmm, Can their families say God is good all the time? What are you going through? Because he wants you to know that he's good all the time. What does he need to bring you to to say that? I'm going to read something. to The thing that I had Megan print off and, uh, um, and I'm going to wrap up with this. And I, would, I do want to show you some pictures just to show you how good God is in my life. This is by a guy, and, and you might have heard this. This has been online years ago. I mean, I heard it when I was, goodness, in my 20s. That's how old it is. It's by S.M. Lockeridge. It's called That's My King. And I was going to play it over there, but I know we have laws about <laughs> playing stuff over, you know, the thing. And I'm probably not going to do it justice how he did it. He's a, he is a, uh, Dave, you've heard it? You're smiling. Yeah. But this is, this is it. This is just kind of, this is directly from uh, how he preached it. The Bible says my king is a seven way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel, that's a national king. He's the king of righteousness, he's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven, he's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king, well I wonder if you know him. David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. The king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong, he's entirely sincere, he's eternally steadfast, he's immortally graceful, he's imperially powerful, he's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon to ever cross the horizon of this world. He's God's son, he's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's awesome, he's unique, he's unparalleled and he's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's a miracle of the age. He's the superlative of every good thing you could ever think to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder, do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves, he strengthens, he sustains, he guards and he guides. He heals the sick, he cleanses the lepers, he discharges debtors, he delivers captives and he defends the feeble. He blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the aged, he rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder, do you know him? Well, that's my king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is manifold. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is uh, everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. He reigns in righteousness. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stop him. They couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimony straight. Herod couldn't couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Now that's my king. That's my king. I wish you got to watch it or listen to it. It, 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 I don't do it justice, but that's not even the half of it. So where are you at in this whole thing of God being good and not being good? Megan, you can go ahead and put, I just want to show you, this is... This is how I'm blessed. That's my beautiful bride. I went through a previous relationship of not knowing what grace was and having, being scared to do right and wrong. And this lady showed me what God's grace was all about. I'll never forget making a mistake for the first, probably hundred times with Kelly. And I would apologize. Oh, please forgive me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, she goes, would you just shut up already? It's over and done. And she means it. That's who she is. All right, you can move on. This is my old son, Ryan, my daughter-in-law, Mel, and those are my four beautiful grandkids. And that's them again at a wedding. Yeah, go to the next one, Megan. I think that's the one I want. Yeah, that's my youngest son, Brad, and his wife, Rochelle. And their dogs, of course. Not, but at that one, I had a strained relationship with my son, Brad, through everything. Didn't talk for a long time. And I think it was God's timing at my oldest son's wedding. I was sitting there by myself, because my parent it was in New York and my parents had to leave and, and the rest of the, her my ex-wife's family was over there, and I was sitting by myself. And I turned around and there was my son Brad. I hadn't talked to him in months. And we have a great awesome relationship now. God redeems all things. Go ahead, Megan. <laughs> and this, is my youngest daughter, Lauren, to the left. <laughs> uh, I had my wife send me these pictures, right, so I could turn them to the Todd. And I, I had no, I forgot all about this picture. I said, well, of course it wouldn't be God's being good if I didn't have all the dogs in the picture. They call them at my house, my disciples, because they all follow me all over the house. Now that I've been home and not working and not retired, guys, all right, retired people get in regular income, all right? But uh, they follow me everywhere, I mean everywhere. So they call my disciples and that's Mary uh, there and then Hunter's on this far, his, on this far side and then Lucia, his fiance there. Blessings, would have never known them I wouldn't have went through, I went through and got down here. Go ahead, Megan. Uh, of course, many of you guys know my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, Chaz and Diane uh, Coleman, just another huge blessing in my life. Show me more grace as well. And I think the next one's one I want to stop at from. Remember I told you that I couldn't have daughters? I got to watch these two grow up. And whether they're biological or not, they're my daughters. And uh, such a huge blessing to watch them grow up and become beautiful young ladies in my life. And then uh, go ahead with the last one, I think. <laughs> That's an old one. Um, as you can tell, I look younger. Um, God redeems all things if you turn it over to them and you let them if you're busy holding on to things and thinking God isn't good, it's not going to happen. Because there was, and I, don't, I didn't even put it on there, but one of the verses when I was talking with Brian and Steve earlier, it says, God is good to all. Get that? See, we think, oh, God's good to me because I'm good, because I'm saved, I'm righteous, I'm holy. God says God is good to all. But what are you doing with this goodness? What are you doing when the things of life don't make sense. And yeah, you can sit now and say it's good. But in the middle, I say, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I've got to believe that you're good. Got to believe that you're good. Megan, did I give you Psalm 27? Maybe we can say like David did. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know we've been going through day with uh, Pastor Steve, and even when things were going against him, even when he hadn't done really hadn't done anything wrong, and they were after him, he said I would have lost heart if I hadn't believed that I would see. Now he hadn't seen it yet. Get it? He says unless I would see the goodness of the Lord. He didn't see it yet, but he was believing because he had said in his heart, like King Jehoshaphat said, I've determined in my heart that he is good, that he is loving, that he is kind, that he is my savior, that he is my redeemer. I've determined in my heart that he is good. And so I'm not going to lose heart because I know somewhere it might be down the road, but I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This isn't for after we die and get to heaven. This is the land of the living. So where are you at? He's good. Think of the worst thing that's going on in your life right now. He's good. Can't explain everything. There are questions I still have about things. But I know he's good. I know he's good. Just me being up here. Hmm. Went to a point where I didn't think I'd preach again. You know, that guy that was thinking I've done too many bad things to, you know, get into heaven. I thought too many things had happened in my life to, for God to ever use me again. In fact, when I moved down here, that was part of it. I thought, to, I'm out of that area up there. I'm, I'm, I'm down here now. And, you know, I'll go to church every Sunday and I'll whatever, be a part of whatever. But you can never use me again. And I'm, not, I'm not worth being used. He's good. He's so very good, and I hope you discover that if you haven't yet that even in the midst of your trials, your pains, the ugliness of your life, He's good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Wow, you're so much better than you and I can imagine, than any of us can. Be. And I thank you that you are good <laughs> in every season, in every situation, no matter where we're at in life, you are good. And Lord, if we're going through stuff that we don't understand, I pray that we just keep laying it before you and keep turning to you and, and lean on our brothers and sisters that can help turn us back towards you into the realization that you are good all the time. I thank you Lord for these wonderful people. I thank you for this, for uh, bringing me home here. I do, and uh, Lord, I pray your blessing on the day. I pray uh, whatever people are doing things for Father's Day, but even if not, uh, I just pray that your realization that you are so good, so loving, so kind, so gracious, and so merciful would just uh, become so more aware as we come to know you in a a deeper, more intimate way. We thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory for what you're going to do in our lives today. Lord, pour us out to those around us so that they can see you. We thank you. In your mighty name, your holy name, your righteous name, we pray. And all God's people said. And God is good. And all the time. Have a blessed week. Guys, happy Father's Day.